Amen. Let's stand together and open our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I am anxious to get started today. Next week, we're going to start a series uh, that we're going to talk about called The Game Changer. Uh, Just a pathway we need to understand right now. If I could get you to do uh, one thing, if I, if I knew I had, had the absolute power and authority to get you to do just one thing, uh, it, it wouldn't be prayer, it wouldn't be faithfulness to church, it wouldn't be tithing, it, it, it wouldn't be worship. If I could get you to just do one thing and assure you'd do one thing, it's to read your Bible daily with an open heart saying, God, what would you tell me to do? Because here's the deal. If you, if you do that, all the rest of that stuff's going to come. You're going to understand why to do all that other stuff. Uh, today, we're, we're talking about this, 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 the presence of God in us. We just sang this great song. I love that line. There's another in the fire, standing next to me. In our troubles and our trials, whatever the world throws at us, there's one who's holding back the seas. Isn't that a great message that God gives us? And that message begins to live in us. You've got your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2, and I would encourage you when you sit down in just a moment to write on the top of your notes Psalm, the 20, Psalm 23, and, and this week as you're looking at your notes, as you're praying through the notes, uh, like we hope you'll do, and asking God to speak to you about what we've talked about today, look up Psalm 23. Most of you know it, but just really read it over and over and let it sink into your life. It's not just about death. It's about life and where God is with us in our lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you would let your word teach us about you. And Father, let your presence be close to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Again, like last week, I want to set this up for us a little bit. The Acts of the Apostles is about the birthing of the church and the actions of the church. And Luke is communicating what happened in those early days after uh, the resurrection. As Acts begins, Jesus comes back from the grave and he appears to them for over 40 days, giving them convincing proofs that he's still alive, teaching them, helping them to understand why he was the Lamb of God and why we needed the Lamb of God and that the first and second comings of Christ are different things. In Acts chapter 1, it says this, and while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive, he keeps bringing them back to the point, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. As Jesus was talking with them, he understood the condition of the men and women in front of him. These had been, these were his followers. These were people who had been with him, some of them for the last three years. And yet after his death, after he'd been crucified, within about three days, they're beginning to disperse. They're starting to head for home. It's all over. Even before his death, Peter had denied him in front of the crowd at the high priest's house on three different occasions. After he revealed himself to them and began to teach them and began to speak with them, still at one point in the middle of all that, Peter looks at all the other guys and says, I'm going fishing, who's going with me? And he heads back to Galilee. See, at this point in this whole walk with Jesus, even though he was coming back, even though they were seeing the risen Savior, they still felt pretty alone and they were still pretty unsure of things. And we see right here in this, in this passage here, they are still confused about the order of things. They're still expecting him to set up his earthly kingdom on the earth pronto, right now. And they, they, they st- but they still felt all alone. So Jesus tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift of God. Now, think about this. Uh, there, there, there were probably, they think, about 500 people who saw, they know 500 people saw him after he was risen from the grave and close to that saw him on the day of ascension. And yet on the day of Pentecost, there were about 120 of them there. There was still some uncertainty in this new thing that we call the church. After all the miracles and the teachings of Jesus, they were still confused. It all gets blended, it's all getting mixed up in their life. So Jesus tells them plainly, go back to Jerusalem and wait. He knew they needed something more. He'd always known that. What happens on the day of Pentecost is, is an interesting this they hear this wind, like a wind blowing amongst them, that is kind of overwhelming. And then they see what looks like tongues of fire rest on each of them. And they begin to speak under the power of the Holy Spirit. And it bursts out into the streets. And people begin to understand what they're saying in the language of the nation they're from. You've got to see, it's the day of Pentecost. It's a celebration day. And people had come 
from the known world to be there that day who had links to the Jewish people and they're there and all of a sudden they're hearing them in their native language. Now it's important to take note of something. None of that was what they were looking for. They were not there saying, oh, we can't wait until the wind blows in here. None of them were sitting there going, okay, now, what we're waiting for is for tongues of fire to fall on our head. None of them were talking about, boy, it's going to be so great when we begin to speak in languages that the world understands in their own language. None of them were looking, that's not what they were looking for. They weren't waiting to be able to speak and everyone to hear them in their own language. What they were looking for what they were waiting for was power. That's what Jesus told them to go wait for. I wonder how that played out in their minds, what that would look like. Have you ever felt powerless? I know I have a lot of times. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the circumstances of life? And like there was no way to turn the tide. I think sometimes we can look at our society today and we can feel very overwhelmed as believers in our society. You may have a set of circumstances going on with a family member or somebody you love that you feel powerless to change it. Somebody you're trying to witness to. And it's going nowhere. They certainly did. They certainly felt powerless. Not only did they not feel like they could do anything, the one who could do something had left them. He had ascended into heaven. The young church needed power. This band of normal people would suddenly be touched by the power of God and suddenly become the voice of this powerful God. They suddenly knew what, they, what to do. And they suddenly had the power to do it. And before this day was over, that small and in danger of dissipating group of 120 believers had swelled to a group of over 3,000 believers because the power of God moved them. Peter, who had denied Jesus, Peter, who was ready to go back fishing even after he'd seen Jesus, is suddenly filled with the power of God and he never looks back. Life-changing. John had predicted that this would happen. When they asked John in, uh, about his, his role, whether he was a prophet or the Christ or who he was, in Matthew chapter 3, we read about his response to them. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said, there's one coming. 
There's one coming who's going to change things. Jesus had told them about this day. In John chapter 14, he's talking to them, he's getting them ready. And he says to them, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you, listen, forever. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Listen, you may feel alone sometimes. You may feel like you're the only one in the battle sometimes. You may feel like you're the only one facing the fire sometimes. But remember, Jesus promised, I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you forever. I'll be right there next to you. My spirit and my strength will be with you to walk through whatever you're going through. In the same teaching, just a little bit later, he says to them in John chapter 14, verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, and he tells them who the helper is, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He says, you're going to get a helper. It's good that I'm going. You're going to get a helper who's going to be with you. He's going to be with you. The Father's going to send him. He's going to remind you of everything I've said. He's going to teach you the things that you need to know. In chapter 16, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Jesus is telling us, listen, I'm here for the time. But I'm here in the flesh. I've humbled myself into the flesh. But I'm going to go be with the Father. And when I go to the Father, I'm telling him, send the Spirit And the Spirit who can be with each and every one of you individually at each moment, wherever you are spread around the planet, He can be there. He is going to be with you. He says the Holy Spirit's going to be with us when? Always. All the time. Everywhere we go. We're not outside of his reach. We're not outside of his awareness. We haven't wandered off from him. We haven't left him at the store. We don't leave him here when we go home today. He is with us always. The Holy Spirit is here to be our helper on this earth, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to guide us. He is here to help us on this earth, to help you. This isn't just for the pastors. It's not just for the elders. This is for everybody who's a believer in Christ, who's had the Spirit of God work a rebirth in our life. The Holy Spirit wants to be with you. and wants you to be aware of Him. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things we need to know. 
So think about this, friend. You suddenly find yourself uh, married and you thought you knew it all and now you discover you don't. You know, most people walking down the aisle, they have one idea and about six months later they have a new idea. But watch the Holy Spirit there. He's there to teach us. We move from one place to another. The Holy Spirit's there to teach us. We have kids and the Holy Spirit's with us at each stage of their life if we'll listen. To teach us. To speak to us. Different circumstances arise in our life or in their lives. And the Holy Spirit is there, listen, to teach us. To speak to us. For us to hear his voice. For us to feel his nudge. For, uh, for him to say, do that. For him to say, don't, 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 don't do that. Say that. Don't, don't, don't say that. He's our helper. He'll keep us out of trouble. He'll lead us when we are in trouble. He's our strength if we learn to listen to him. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble he's there the holy spirit will bring to your remembrance the things you've been taught see this is a great thing about reading the bible you read the bible you study the bible and uh, and you know the way i encourage you to read the bible is, is you 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 know you get a pattern of how you're going to read the bible and when you read every day when you're done you need to stop and to think what did i read today what really stood out to me is there a verse that really spoke to me today in my reading at night I like to read the psalms before I go to bed and I'll pick a couple of them where the promise of God to be with me or to be my refuge or to be my strength or he's my or whatever whatever jumps off to me that and as I go to sleep and I'm thinking about that verse that way I, you know what I'm not thinking about all the other junks going on in the world I'm thinking about what God's promised me I, I, why do I want to do that why do I encourage you to you know, get that verse and think. Because as you go through that day and you meditate on that verse and you think about that verse, you'll remember what you read. God will bring things to remembrance. But here's the powerful thing. If you study the Word, if you sit under preaching, if you sit under teaching, when you need it, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your memory. Holy Spirit will remind you. Now, if you haven't learned anything, if you haven't been paying attention, there's nothing there for him to remind you of. You need to know the Word of God. You need to let it come back to your your memory. And the Holy Spirit convicts. It's the Holy Spirit's job. This is why our job is to witness to our friends about what God has done for us. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict them. It's our job to listen to what God's saying to us. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us. Do you know as a believer... As a pastor, I get convicted sometimes. Shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have thought that way, shouldn't have acted that way. It's the Holy Spirit's job to help move us. This, the Holy Spirit is with us in this to help us. Now, in Galatians, it tells us one of the things that the Holy Spirit does when we are open to the Holy Spirit in, in Galatians 5.22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, let me put that real clearly, 
the evidence of the Spirit being in you, the reality of God's presence being with you, upon you, and in you, the truth of what God is doing in you when you let him. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So we have somebody who's really hurt us. They've abused us. They've taken advantage of us. They've made fun of us and belittled us or whatever it might be. And our natural state of life is, I kind of don't like that guy. In fact, I kind of hate that guy. Or maybe we've been raised in a way where we're bigoted about some group of people. The fruit of the Spirit in us begins to work on that. And it begins to heal us. It begins to change us. I have a funeral services at 4 o'clock today for Myron Moore, one of our long-term members, 90 years old. And I remember a time in Myron's life when some th- things had happened to him that weren't good things. And I talked to him about it a couple years later. And I asked him, you know, how, you know, how did you f- feel about why did you, you made some really interesting decisions at that time? And he said, why should I let one person being bad keep me from all the other people I love that are good? Why should I let one person being bad impact my decisions? This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do do in us. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us with joy. The Holy Spirit wants to give us peace, and the way the Bible describes that peace is, listen, peace that passes understanding. What does that mean? That means you've got something happen, happening to you that everybody else would be, man, I would be so worried. I would be so full of fear. If you were on your own, you'd be so upset. You'd be so concerned. You'd be sleepless at night. And God says, hey, just present your prayers and your requests to me. Rejoice in me. And, 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 and I will set up a guard of your heart, and you will have peace that passes understanding. He gives us peace. As, didn't say he changed everything. He says he gives us peace in the middle of everything. Peace. The, the Spirit who's with us urges us towards kindness. The Spirit that is within us when he's, when he's present and we're listening, he's going to urge us towards goodness. He's going to urge us towards faithfulness and gentleness. And he's going to give us a spirit of self-control. The Holy Spirit is present with us all the time and he transforms us so that how we react in the world how we respond in the world how we feel about the world isn't just a matter of self-discipline it's a matter of a transformed and assured heart by the power of the presence of God in us he's our helper he transforms us as we allow him to work in us. He deals with our hate. He deals with our bitterness. He heals our wounds. He soothes our worries. He he changes our attitudes towards others. He gives us a sense of duty in life. He gives us power over sin and over our nature. He's our helper. 
You're not alone. You're not alone in the storm. You're not alone in the development of your own life. The presence of God is with you, and he comes in power. In power. In the strength of his spirit, he comes. As you go through your day and you face the challenges of the day, we need to invite the spirit of God to come into our life and to guide us. He's with us always. He watches over us while we sleep. He is a silent guest at every conversation. He is the bountiful giver at every meal. He is the jilted lover at every betrayal. He is the giver of power at every victory. He is the soothing spirit for every wound. He is a revelation of wisdom for every question. He is the teacher at every new endeavor. He is the strength of life in every day, in the everyday journey. He is the participant in every celebration. He is there when we sense him. He is there when we cry. He is there when we mourn. He is there when we stumble. He is there when we feel alone. He stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. He cries out to us as we walk along the way. He nudges us. He whispers to us. He brings light into our lives. He is the giver of hope. He is the source of joy. He is the guard of our peace. He is the assurance of love. He is there when we are mocked. He is close to us when others deny him. He bears witness when we are rejected. He he is the healer of our pain. He is the victory of our losses. He is the lover of our souls. He is always with us. I just want to know if you're taking advantage of that. Are you ignoring him? Are you paying attention to him? He's there. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. You want to walk as the wise? Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Listen, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. That is an active term. It's not about a one-time event. We are born again in a one-time event. We are filled with the Spirit in an ongoing process. As we invite, it would be like saying it this way, I like to put it, be in the process of being filled with the Spirit. Inviting the Spirit into your situation. You're going into work, God, guide me with your spirit today. Spirit, be with me. You're going into a tough conversation, God, be with me. 
Gonna witness to somebody, God help me. Whatever it is, just got bad news of the doctor, Lord, be with me in this. Be being filled. In just a minute, we're gonna take some time and spend the last few minutes just worshiping God. And I wanna really encourage you. This is one of the ways we invite him into our life. As we begin to sing and we begin to just open our hearts to him. And the day before we leave, the biggest thing I can do to help you today is encourage you to be aware of the presence of God and whatever your hurt is, whatever your concern is, whatever your wound is, whatever celebration you're going through, recognize that he's with you. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me today. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. There's a God who loves you. A creator who loves you. You're going to stand before him someday. And if we stand before him on our own works, our own goodness, on our own, boy, that's not a good thing. But see, God loved you so much that he sent his son to pay the price for you on Calvary. He paid for our sin so that we could be covered by his righteousness. And we stand before God, heaven could be ours. If today you haven't received that work in your life, you haven't asked Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, and you'd like to today, this is the first step of inviting God's presence into your life. Today, you can do that very thing. You'll say, Pastor, I want, I want to ask Christ into my life today. Just raise your hand right now wherever you're at and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to ask Christ into my life today. Anyone here today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Anyone here today, looking for just a moment. God bless you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we pray for the lost people of our community. And Lord, we pray you'd put a passion in our hearts to share our faith with them. And we pray, Father, that as we invite them into your house, that they would come into your house, this place, come here, join us with all, other, all these other believers. And they would not be able to escape the convicting power of your Holy Spirit. Bear witness to them that you are real. Bear witness to them that you love them. Bear witness to them of their need for the healing power of your son in their life. And Father, we pray that a multitude of people would be saved. Come to know your son around these altars. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raised your hand, you need to raise your hand. I'm going to be standing right over here. A couple of prayer team members are going to come over here. If you'd like for us to pray with you, you just step on down and we'll pray with you. And the rest of us, we're going to take about 10 minutes here. And I want to just encourage you. If you've never done this before, lift your hands to him. Invite him into your life. Just tell him as, you're, as we sing, Lord, I want you, I want to be aware of your presence in here.
If you need strength today, invite him to give you strength today. If you need direction today, ask him to give you direction. He is your helper, and he is always with you. Amen.